This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead, so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEF. That's what we're starting the episode with. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising podcast. I'm your host again. It's me, Andrew Left's ugly cousin, Jay Hersko. Joining me once again, I have a, a panel for a loosely scripted episode. I have Mr. Chris Merman, the man, what not makes the verb. you think that Left has good looking cousins? <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I'm just a safe assumption here. I don't know. Safe assumption. Uh, I also have, because I'm picking on him, he's going to be here, Andrew Left. The the equally adorable Andrew Left because Jay you are adorable and and uh, I love looking at you on these calls so I'm like to be I'm like you did I'm like Kevin Smith but the pre Kevin Smith back when he was fat actively like, chose to look better this year Jay like you made a decision <laughs> I will look normal this year and I applaud you for it and my wife would thank you because she hates the beer too and last but not least Jay McConnell Janae thanks for joining us again you're welcome. So the topic of this episode is, it's loosely scripted, so we're going to get a little crazy with it. The topic is, uh, what is it? What did I do wrong? I'm running an Agile transformation. Help. I'm running an Agile transformation. What do I do now? So to give a little bit of background before we dive in, the four of us now are have recently or are currently in roles where we are tasked with, quote unquote, delivering Agile into an organization, be it a transformation, a process, a way of working. My first question, my first honest and most endearing question, I'm going to start with you, Chris Merman. What the fuck were we thinking? It sounded <laughs> great at the time. I mean, I, like, you know, who doesn't like, you know, who doesn't like new letters by their, by their, their title, you know, and like who, I legit thought like, hey, I've been telling leaders what to do for years as a consultant. Like, let's see if my stuff's any good. Um, some of that was what we did the, the the Merman After Dark episode on was basically like, I thought all these things were true. And then I started figuring that. So like, this isn't like a complete waste. It's not a complete waste of my time. I've learned a lot of really bad decisions that an organization can make and and me and me right i like i thought that was a great decision and then i tried doing it and it's just different like it's totally different right it, it, it's open minds and and before we even go before i go to janae and then left the part point of this conversation is twofold right we want to share some of our experiences to to understand that transformations are stochastic they're all different, but they're all the same. And also for people who are maybe thinking about getting into this role, taking on this mantle, carrying the agile torch, let's give them an honest, unvarnished opinion of what we actually go through. And for Merman, I'm going to go to you, Janae. What, what were we thinking? Uh, 
you know, I mean, I am very passionate about this. I'm excited by it. The the opportunity for this is my first go at, at doing this anywhere, aside from just supporting, um, you know, a group of agilists that's working really hard at it already. And I I find it very inspiring. It pushes me to be better myself. Like I, I never stop thinking about it. I I was going to tell you, Jay, I woke up this morning before I even opened up my eyes. I was like, what about Wischief? And then I was just like, what would, what would Jay say? What I'm would not Jay kidding. say? I'm not kidding you. I almost texted you. <laughs> you should have. I, you should have, because at that point, I'd already been up for three hours, fully caffeinated. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But, but to me, it's exciting still. And, and I, I think it's cool. And um, yeah, I love it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Laugh, what were we thinking? What were you thinking? Yeah. So I kind of like to, to think of it this way. It's, it's kind of like skydiving. I'm super excited, right? My first time I'm, I'm getting ready. I got those butterflies. I, you know, I'm, I'm in this, you know, kind of essency kind of feeling. I get into the plane, the nerves start hitting and I'm like, we get up to altitude and I'm, the doors open and I'm like, what the, I don't want to do this, right? Like, no, 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 no. This is our, and then the instructor whispers in your ear and says, your ex-wife packed your parachute and pushes you out the door, right? So. <laughs> no, no, whispers it like very, very like, hey. Yeah, right? So I think that I love what Janae just said, right? It takes me back to, before we all got weathered. And I'm envious of rocks that that sit and just get weathered for years as they get smoother. And as humans, as we weather, we get more wrinkled and, and shriveled up, right? So I love that spirit of of coming in with with kind of those those shiny, bright, kind of happier thoughts. But I do think that the organizational pressures that occur through transformation steal the shine of of kind of how you want to keep going to that well. So I uh, one more antidote or, or an, antidote and anecdote. I'm not going to say that. Thank you. Um <laughs> these invisaligns just mess with my poor English already. He's had a day, but, folks, um, okay? He's yes. had a day. <laughs> and I I just lost my train of thought. So I I we will move on. All right. So while you're thinking of that anecdote, I'm going to go to you Janae and ask What's what's one of the battles you're currently fighting as you try to shepherd an organization through a transformation that you didn't think you'd be fighting? Mm. Um. So, <clears throat> I there's a there's a Winnie the Pooh quote that I like that I use um, that came to me from one of my mentors who I love and adore who I think is amazing at all of this. And um, it's it's something along the lines of like, Winnie the Pooh is being dragged down the stairs behind Christopher Robin. And he, he hits his head on every stair as he goes down. I don't know if, if any of the three of you are familiar with this, but it, he says, so it's the quote is, here, here comes Edward Bear now down the stairs behind Christopher Robin, bump, bump, bump on the back of his head. It is, as far as he knows, the only way of coming down the stairs. He is sure that there must be a better way if only he could stop to think about it. 
And that is, I, I would say that, you know, I, I kind of walked into this thinking everyone's going to be psyched about this and they're, they're excited and they're welcoming it because that's what, what I understood to be the situation. Like they're ready for it. Um, and, and they're not quite ready for it and that's okay. Um, a, a lot of the things that I've run up against is me being like, what about this? We're going to try this. We're going to work on, you know, these two or three things. And everyone's just like, ah, nah, I think we're good. And I'm like, but really? I, I mean, <laughs> let's talk about it. Right. Like, are you bumping down the stairs or is there a better way to get down there? Like, and can, and can I help you? And will you listen to me? Help you understand that there's a better way to do this. So, yeah. Okay. Merman, what are you fighting uphill that you didn't think you were going to be fighting this battle? Um, I don't know that there's anything that I didn't think I was going to be fighting. Well, I, I, let me say this. When you, when you, when you interview for these type of roles, you, you know, uh, like we took these, we all, like, I've talked to all three of you. We all, at some point in time during the pre-interview, interview process, whatever, we made a connection with the, either the person we're reporting to, our coworkers, both people that are reporting to us, whatever, some kind of, like we made a connection with people and they're like, man, it'd be fun to try this with them. And so you'd think, surely I won't fight them and battle them. Like I have other fights to have and there's other people to, you know, that won't be feeling, you know, what, you know, what we're doing, but you don't think, all right, I'm not going to have to worry about fighting with them kind of a thing. But the part that we sometimes forget is like, just because you're like a C-suite person and, uh, you know, a president, you know, whatever, whatever the title is of the people that are quote unquote in charge, right? I mean, we're supposed to be in charge of stuff, although I've learned uh, I'm actually in charge of like, I'm in charge of like very little. Um, I'm a vice president. I'm in charge of very little. Um, but I will say this, like you, the, the plans are basically always in flux, right? Like you may think my boss has a plan, an agenda. Uh, we're going to head this direction. We're going to use this framework. We're going to try this methodology. We're going to, these are our, 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 you know, our North stars, so to speak, but they're always in flux and it's always in changing. And it's always changing. And like, after you've been there three months, basically all the plans that you discussed through the interview process and had planned to do, they basically go out the door and you, and you make it up every, and it's like, you start over from scratch with a new plan every three to nine months kind of a thing. I mean, most organizations do that. Like, and I just, I just shouldn't, I shouldn't be surprised that it was, that it is that way, but that's the way organizations work. Like they're no different from us, which is we, we, we make it up as we go as well. I mean, we have things that we want to try, but you know, we're all making it up as we go and it doesn't change when you're in in a leadership position. Laugh. That's a good question. Let me me rephrase it. Um, What's the, what's the battle you're fighting that you're most surprised by? Because typically we've all we're all fighting multiple battles, like trying to make this the agile thing go. What's the one where you're like, man, I did not expect to be pushing up this rock uphill. Jeez, um, I, I feel like every, uh, that's more than one rock. But um, 
to when I hear this question, what pops into my head is, is logic able to thrive in corporate America? No. Right. Well, Why? So hold on. That that's not necessarily true. Collective logic may fail, but an individual well, like one person's logic doesn't line up with another person's logic. That absolutely makes sense. And we should never like we are corporations are not a collective group of people. They're a bunch of individuals. And let's look at IT. Like we can we can like open up the entire kimono. Like the way that IT industry is today, I mean, we're just mercs. We're just mercenaries, you know, like go, you know, trying new things, checking out new things. Um, you know, we, we can job hop as much as we want, no, no shame. Um like there's no collective logic left. You know what I mean? Like for that to be the case, people need to like make a commitment and, and stick it out and like really be committed to finding alignment and all that kind of stuff. And that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I think oh, I was coming at it from a little that. different angle. Okay, I think log logic when, when we as people are working with other people logically is is you know is this how you would want let's just say you're in toxic environments would you want your children to be treated that way would you want anybody to speak to your wife or your daughter or your spouse or your husband in the way that you're addressing certain things to get a sense of urgency started it, the logical part of those conversations i feel are missing right so there's a ton of okay. psychological safety that that isn't there and, and also to take a step further is, I would say that transformation isn't a new activity. We come in and often kind of come in with that, hey, we're going to go through transformation. And I always find, I was having this debate with a couple of colleagues this week, ironically enough. Well, it takes about 18 months. And I'm like, what takes 18 months? Transformation. What about trans? How do you timeline this stuff? To me, right. going in, we're always in a state of transformation, right? We're always emerging into something. How are we looking at the data that is pumped into our brains day in and day out at work and using that to make logical decisions that implement changes that align to something, right? As opposed to being better agilists. Who cares? I don't care, right? Right. It doesn't matter. I don't need you to be the best agilist in the world. Can you accommodate change? Can you pivot? Can you let things go? Can you make a point without making an enemy? Right? Can you actually have a conversation or facilitate through friction without shutting the entire workforce down in a way that's like, screw this place. I hate it. I, I don't ever want to work here again. And that's the only thing I'm going to say, which prohibits people to lean in to the, right. the rigor it takes when we talk about transformative behavior and action. Yeah. Uh, you, you made the, the point you made about, um, uh, crap, you said a lot of good things. You said one thing specifically, <laughs> I was like, ooh, you need to come back to that point. Um, damn it, I'll remember it. Well, we'll it I will just, the point that you made left about like, synthesizing all the data and information and opinions that come your way on a daily basis and then being able to kind of like figure that out work it into kind of what you already thought to be true or what you already maybe were planning on doing and then being like oh okay well now I'm going to do something different or 
maybe now I feel different or I think differently about these things. That's what I'm wrestling with is just the like, oh yes, that is, mm. it's like, just, it's, it's another layer, just the constant input. Do you feel like, so you just, you just plus one left on the data side. And I like that. One thing I kind of want to poke at, maybe we can do it in just a minute after, after Jay gets a shot is like, what you can look at data 20 different ways. And I, and often I think the data that we use in organizations now is merely just to confirm whatever bias you already have, whatever preconceived idea you already had. So if I believe that story points are stupid, I can use your data point to show that story points are stupid. We shouldn't be using it. But if people are used to story pointing, it doesn't matter whether you think it's logical to them. They're like, well, but it's because of this and this and this and this and this. And all of a sudden you're stuck with using story points for another PI. And you're like, well, crap. Like I, it, so I, that I still, I still struggle with this idea of like logic because I don't know how to ask people to be logical because it doesn't mean they're going to agree with me. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a stupid argument to try and make. And I don't mean stupid in the sense that it's unintelligent. It's stupid. It's, it's pointless because human beings are not logical. We are not rational. We are emotional and we make our decisions based upon pattern recognition. Um, the thing that I'm most surprised that I kind of have a little bit of an uphill battle with is the metrics piece. And most companies, when they engage, you know, this is my seventh transformation, I think, give or take. Most companies, the first thing they want to do is they want to bring in a tool and they want to use metrics and they want to, what do we do with metrics, metrics, metrics. And I'm kind of in this weird sort of liminal state where Everybody knows it's important, but nobody wants to, nobody has the time, wants to put the time in to actually define them. And I find that very fascinating because from the people who are the, the, the left brain project management types, they want those metrics. So you would think that's the first thing they do, right? The first thing you not, you don't do is the, is the maturity assessment. It's well, give me metrics for burn down and story points. And that's one of those weird things where I'm like, I didn't really think I'd be fighting this. I didn't really think this wouldn't be here and I got to kind of push upwards. And I realized, you know, people that came before me, everybody's got busy, but one of those things I was, I would, I was surprised that a, a company wouldn't be so metric focused and maybe it's due my blinders of every other place I've worked. That's the first thing they do is they pull out the beat, burn down chart and they beat you with it. The burn down chart becomes it, the beat down chart. Yeah. It's, it's agile theater. I mean, that's, that's what a lot of this creates is just agile theater. Right. So so let's let's pivot it uh, left. You were talking last, so I'm going to start with you. Let's pivot it to a, a more positive question. What's a battle you went in armed for bear with? <laughs> that it was a non-issue that you're like, really? Mm. Like I brought the sword. I brought the shield. Really? I don't have to fight Me- this? Meaning you're expecting a fight, but you didn't get one? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You were expecting to go in and, and okay. have to like drop a hammer. And then the person or the people just went, or the culture, the company culture went, yeah, okay, that works for us. Wow. I don't think I've ever been asked that question. <laughs> um, I have to say, most recently, it's been, it's been culture. I'm so used to going in as a consultant to a very toxic culture and having to swim upstream from a culture perspective. I haven't experienced that. And I was prepared to, and it's been a nice change. 
So I have to say from a, from a culture perspective, kind of going from an external entity to a full-time entity internally, not having that, that level of, of, you know, complexity has, I don't know if it's helped or hurt or anything other than it's allowed me to focus differently. I think that's a better way to put it. So okay. not having as toxic of cultures that I've worked with in the past has been interesting for me to, to, to not have that. Can you give, Lev, can you give an example of uh, an aspect of the culture that in other orgs was completely terrible that's better here? Like, I'm, I'm curious what specifically about the culture surprised you. So the, the willingness to listen and the willingness to, to actually um, agree and not just not just stand on ceremony. One client I was at, literally the culture was at least twice to three times a month, someone left in an ambulance. That's how much pressure that place applied. When I tell you that is not an exaggeration, I didn't believe it until I was working there for almost a year and saw it on a daily basis. So trying to bat, like that is, I hope to never be in that situation ever in my life, nor do I wish that upon anybody. That that to me is is stress that is insane, right? But using that, right, to say, to have people bring me into conversations now voluntarily, reaching out to me, wanting to to, to listen and partner and pair, identify issues and using you know, a deep, vast knowledge base to, to get creative. I appreciate that where I'm at. I really do. So whether it can go into actual, it can become a, a, a thing of the future or a way that we work that remains to be seen, but I'll take those short, you know, those quick wins. I'll take those, those opportunities and bright spots because you all alluded to it. The hardest thing about the work we do is not the work. It's the people, right? The people are, we're all at different stages of, of our journeys and it, it's hard, right? When there's, everyone's aligned to something different and, and going back to values, right? What do we value as, as an organization and what do we value within each other and, and how do we work together collectively? Janae, same question. I'm just really happy for Lef. Um, <laughs> Um, no, I, but actually my answer is, is the same. Yes. And so I would say I'm not having to fight the, the culture battle. I'm not having to fight the leadership battle. Um, I am lucky enough to have, um, agile experience within the leadership team, all the way up to the C-suite that is very supportive um, and, and, and the, the company culture is very supportive of this, right? Like very people focused, very supportive of like learning, continuous improvement, you know, taking risks, learning from those, celebrating failure as much as we celebrate learning, all that sort of thing or success and all that sort of thing. Um, but back to something that you said, Jay, is that I, I have been pleasantly surprised that I haven't really had to fight the metrics fight because they're like, 
we're not going to worry about that. Let's focus on the basics and the foundational, you know, fundamental stuff that's important. And I'm like, great. It's a trap. Well, but I'm not saying that I don't see it coming. I see it coming. But um, I think that, <laughs> man. Um, oh, he just totally derailed her train of thought. Merman, no. what's the fight you're not fighting? That I thought you were going to fight. I'm sorry. That, I, was, I did not mean to do that, but you all were thinking it. You were all thinking it. Of course I was. I'm like, oh, that's sweet. She's about to get kicked in the face. That's fine. I'm ready. I'm ready for it now. I guess there's other places they could kick you, so at least you'll see it coming. Merman? Um... I was, um, so I, I joke with all of my peers a lot, and especially the people that report to me that agile is the one thing that everybody knows enough about to disagree with you. So like, I don't have product people go, Hey, why did you like, why, why did, like, why did you put the return there? Like, why don't, like, why don't you like, why don't you, you know, bracket your code properly? Like, you never hear that happen. You don't hear developers go to, you know, they'll just say things like, oh, the backlog needs help. But they're not going to ever go like, no, if you'd word the acceptance criteria this way, like, they don't do that. Like, it's like you don't, or like, what? how are you doing your customer interviews? Like, developers don't care. They just want to write code and do their job kind of a thing. But Agile is a thing because you've been to a conference or you've heard your you know, you've, you've read the blog post by this idiot named Chris Merman. And you're like, I know what agile is. And, um, and so you, so someone's like, mm, actually, I read a blog post that disagrees with that. I'm not sure that we should be, uh, we should be getting rid of story points kind of a thing. I didn't fucking ask you for the record, but that's cool that you gave me your opinion unwarranted. Mm -hmm. Um, I, so I, that's why I'm kind of, that's why we're all laughing. Cause it's like, eventually they're just going to start telling you what is and isn't agile. I got a development manager tell me that something I wanted to do wasn't very agile. And I said, who, who told you, you got to say something wasn't agile. Do you, I have a couple people on LinkedIn. I'd like to introduce you to, you'll be yeah. friends with them. Um, yeah. Love you, my call. Um, the, um, but the, th the one fight that I was expecting to have that I haven't had to was when I just decided that some part of the framework that we're using wasn't applicable. And so we just got rid of it. I, I was expecting like, well, we were trained this way. I, by the way, I didn't do their, their, their training. I didn't, I didn't design the, the arts. I'd, I showed up when they were, they'd already, they were already going kind of a thing. But I was like, oh, well, they, we were trained by that we need to do this and this and this and the framework says to do this and every like a couple of people on my team started a sentence with well safe says and i said if you ever start a sentence with that again you're fired and of course they knew i was joking but i was trying to like drill into them like stop saying an inanimate object is talking to you but i was totally expecting pushback i was expecting to be like no we're supposed to do it this way it says that like according to scrum we're scoring to kanban we're supposed to be doing this like yeah but does it make sense for us as, if, as soon as i say does this make sense for us and they go no cool then don't do it and everybody's like awesome one less meeting that's great like so that's that's yeah. been pleasant uh for me it's kind of kind of echoing what all of you said there's um there's an open-minded willingness it's it's weird when someone comes to you and says hey I, I think I'm doing this right, but I'm not sure. Can I get some help? Can you, can you just help me out with this? And well, I mean, it's always, 
it's reassuring that maybe I'm not as crazy as everybody else thinks I am, but also it's, it's a kind of positive. You're always expecting me to have to fight with people and to fight semantic diffusion. And here's, here's what agile really is. And it's, it's interesting when people come forward and like, yeah, you know, I read all this and I think I got it, but here's where I really can use 15 minutes of your time. And I was like, wow, this is, this is kind of great that someone's actually coming forward with a, with a well-formed question and says, Hey, the, the guide says this, the website says this, but we're doing this. Is this, does this make sense? Or are we, are we should we think about it a different way? And yeah. those kind of questions make all the other BS go away. Cause it's like, ah, here's someone who's really trying to work it out for themselves. That's great. Yeah. I had a dev manager come to me this uh, at the beginning of this week and asked, Hey, I'd like some analysis to be done on like a feature before we get started. How do I enforce that? And I go, well, have you heard of the definition of ready? And he goes, yeah, someone mentioned it once before. And I go, well, you can say this work is not ready to begin until you get a C4 diagram. And he's like, I can say that. He's like, how do I tell, how do I tell product that? And so I, I kind of gave him the words and then his boss messaged me like two days later. And he's like, I got to referee a fight because one of my managers was using <laughs> Merman's words about why he got to say that work wasn't ready to begin. And he's like, and I want to hug you for it. <laughs> so uh, next question I'm going to ask you, Janae, um, as it comes down to running these type of things, being, being the person in charge to help run, quote unquote, a transformation, performance transformation, what's been the most surprising aspect? Oh, man. I'm trying to figure out how this is different than the first question. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll say the question again. Like that'll give us all. A what's chance. what surprised you? So, in in the role of HMFIC in charge of a transformation, what's the part that surprised you? What aspect of the role has surprised you? Well, I guess some of this is general, some of this is specific. But specifically, I've been surprised at the amount of Again, it's going to sound so green. I have been surprised at the amount of resistance to change based on what I understood I was walking into. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make you green though. Like we all, we all think, oh, this is the time that they're not going to like come after me as pitchforks about like that. Really I, I can get married for the fourth time. This time it'll be different. Okay. You can shut up, Jay. You're not even married once. <laughs> so I, I would say that and, um, you know, organizational inertia, despite the fact that they're moving so fast, if that makes sense. It makes perfect um, sense. But I've also been pleasantly surprised by kind of something similar to, to what you just mentioned is is the amount of people that have been like, hey, curious about this, wondering if you could help me with this. I'd like to try this. Could this help? Could Agile help? And I'm like, yeah, you can. <laughs> Let me just hold on. Yes. How can I help? You know what I mean? Instead of being like, oh, that's calling oh, me surprised. But um, I think I think it's been that, all of those things. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Merm. Uh, gosh, I I was thinking really hard, and then I I was uh like Janae's answer was 
very uplifting. And I, what are you talking about? You, I hadn't even gotten the slam out, and you were already like flipping me off. I was literally <laughs> I giving you. Please listen to an episode. She knows. So yeah. what? So of all I, the things, I would say that I, I, what's the, um, the most surprising? I am surprised that I and and for the record, I am continually surprised by this that because I always wanted to be, I wanted to be a VP, like a VP of transformation sounded like a job title that I really wanted to have on my resume. It was all this good experience. And I don't think that it matters that I'm like, some days you could barely tell that I'm even in charge of people. Like I'm continually surprised that doesn't matter what your title is, you're still the agile nerd. You're still the process nerd. And you're always gonna be at the kid table. And Every single one of you listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. You may be treated with respect, but when it comes to the <laughs> agile stuff, they go, oh, you just go do that. You just go worry about your agile stuff. Like we're over here. Oh, discussing you're so cute. You're agile. Yeah. 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 Like we're doing big boy things. Like you go, we're talking about moving our, our, you know, server farm into the cloud. Like that's important. Like you go do your process things. Like, you know, no, no, I'm, I, we will always be at the kitty table when it comes to leadership. Doesn't matter what our title is. And for the record, an agilist becomes a CTO. Uh, some of the agile things they used to tell clients before all of a sudden get replaced with, I just have to do stuff. And so I'm making this just like, it doesn't matter. Like, it just doesn't like, I need to stop trying to go for like, like falling for the the allure of a title, like, ooh, you'll be the lead consultant on this engagement. You can lead this engagement. Oh, I'm in charge? No, I'm not. No, I'm still still at the kitty table. So that's great. You bring up a CTO and that brings up the interesting point about when you reach a certain point in the corporate hierarchy, and this some of our listeners may be surprised by this. When you reach a certain point, it comes down to promises. And what promises have you made to someone else? And CEOs make promises to shareholders. CIOs make promises to their business partners. CTO makes promises to the CIO. Everybody's making promises. And above a certain level, that's your primary motivator. Is am I going to have to eat crow because I didn't deliver on that promise? Now, those of us that are in the trenches, we're not motivated by the, I mean, realistically, we didn't make any promises to any C-level executives, any VPs anywhere. We're most concerned about, is this job killing me? Do I have work-life balance? Am I, am I, am I stressed out? Am I taking six Tylenol PMs on a Sunday because I don't want to go to work the next day? That, I, that may or may not be a true confession. God help my liver. Um, promises. And I think that's a, big, that's a big difference that when we get to this point where we're kind of expected to deliver the Agile, to quote Johanna Rothman, there's a promise inherent there that a lot of us didn't even sign up for. And we took the job, but didn't realize that someone promised something of a magnitude we were not ready to go for. Yeah. And they didn't ask us how we feel about it either. Right. Right. Um, he's been awfully quiet, which makes me nervous. <laughs> Mr. Laugh. He's just playing with himself. What's the, oh. what's the thing that surprised you? I think it's a combination or culmination of everything everyone's talking about is, is, you know, and I don't, I don't think your comment was green at all, Janae. Um, I, I think that is a very accurate thing to state is, is the change happens all the time. Why are we resisting it? What, what is resist? Why, why are we not leaning in, right? All these coachy words we can use, but you, you also talk about, 
you know, kind of this deliver the agile and the unwritten things or the things that the expectations that are not really discussed, but implied. I, I love this one as far as surprises, right? Speed to market. We're going to increase our speed to market. Okay. Well, how fast are you moving today? Well, we don't measure that. Okay. So you want to move faster? Yes. Well, but we don't know how fast we're moving today. Great. I want to be able to change the tires on my car when I'm going 100 miles an hour, but I'll probably die. In fact, I'm 100% positive I will kill myself. Well, I want you to try it anyway. Well, maybe if you slow down to 50 miles an hour, it's still a bad idea, right? So this, this kind of fiction that comes with transformation as far as speed to market or, you know, we're going to be able to release more frequently. No. Are you going to disrupt your current way of working to achieve goals that align to speed to market or higher quality or, you know, automation, whatever it might be, right? So are we connecting those dots? Are we looking at our current systems to say that there's no freaking way our code is so fragile. We're still using freaking punch cards. We, we can't automate, right? We need someone to physically put a card in a system and punch it. Like it, it just, to me, it, that's the surprise every time it's the gotcha. I want these things so badly and I'm so tightly connected and I am emotional about them. And does that sway my decision-making going in thinking others should feel as passionate as I do when their goals are different, right? Financial institutions do not think about transformation the same way, right? Bottom line, what's the dollar? What's our shareholder price? What stop, you know, how do we keep our shareholders happy? And what's the street going to do, right? We need to support that. That does not necessarily lend itself to the agile experience that we go in to try and create. Right. The dollars, you you talked about like all those, sorry, go ahead, Jay. I was going to say the dollars and cents aspect of it were for these amount of dollars, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, see, I was going to comment. He talked about like, oh, like, speed to market or insert any other buzz phrase here, right? Like the problem is is that they have a deck that they paid um, 150 grand for from a big four consulting that said that to improve their stock price that they need to, in this industry, they need to improve their time to market. And by doing that, we automate and we go agile and nobody knows what that means. Um, They, they bought, like my company bought GitLab uh, licenses at the beginning of the year, and they're like, "Hey, we need to migrate all our code to the all our repos to this platform, where we're going to um, we're going to start automating. We're going to start doing trunk-based development." Like they told me that when I was interviewing for the job, kind of a thing. There are teams that still have not even migrated a single one or zero into into GitLab yet. And you want to know why? Because stuff keeps popping up and stuff keeps getting thrown up in front of it. And at the end of the year, they're wanting to turn off our other build tools and they're going to go, wait, we can't. We've not even moved any code yet. So like like there's also all everybody's got good ideas. They've got this, they've got the PowerPoint decks to prove it. You know what I mean? Like they've they did just do this and you'll be better. But I I think it also comes down to are we are we companies that are innovators or are we order takers, right? 
Are we looking to change the industry? Or are we just looking to continue to ride the wave that has kept us afloat for 10 years? Right. It's and the- I, I, I hate to use Apple as the example, but I, I, I'm part of the Apple ecosystem, right? I pay Apple for a developer account. I pay them to beta test their software. I get a release every week that I test and I pay for that privilege. Like, what are you thinking? Like, seriously, what? that's a great, you know, their iPhone development, just in general, right? Like they took the notch and they said, hey, everyone hates the notch. We're going to make it bigger and dynamic now, right? And now everyone's cra- like the greatest idea ever, right? We're not going to upgrade to, to US, our USB ports. We're going to still use crappy lightning cables that are slow. We don't care, right? Like they're last to adopt common sense things, yet they're innovating things and driving the market differently. Do organizations look at that as an opportunity? I don't think, you know, at least in a lot of the enterprise large, whether it's fintech, finance, or or more of the regulated industries, how are we being innovative to not not be held hostage to old ways of working and is there opportunity to look at that differently? Where's that leadership component come in? Where's that conversation start? Why are we not having that? It's the same, sorry, I'm totally going off on a tangent, but to me, it's like <laughs> the static ability around social security numbers, credit cards. Like, why do we have the same, I've had the same bank account number for 25 years. It hasn't freaking changed, right? Like why? Why are these things still so embedded because our systems are generally not able to flex or change. It takes too much to deconstruct them, to greenfield and move innovation forward. It, it's just insane to me that that we're so stuck. That's what makes this work hard. But see, here's so, the thing. That that hope that that hope that Janae spoke of, that we all have whenever we try, like we have a new client, we have a new job, we have a new whatever. We go in hopeful. There are there have been just enough positive stories of transformation that you know the you know and joe justice manages to tell tell them all like i don't know where joe goes but like good things just happen wherever joe goes because it's an awesome case study every time every time he leaves there i'm just saying like there there are enough positive stories that every single time we try it with a new spot we go and going this is going to be the one this is going to be the one where it makes something. And I, unfortunately, we keep getting kicked in the teeth because most companies aren't going. I mean, we you said, are we innovators or are we order takers? Left, we are an order-taking society. Like, IT has become about order-taking. IT delivery, let me say that. IT delivery. And I consider... What we do is we are part of delivery because we're trying to help transform into better ways of working. Right. As the manifesto says, we are order takers. So product gets their ideas from sales. Sorry, I'll shut up. Two things regarding the doc. During the COVID lockdown, I got bigger and more dynamic and no one got excited. So we're going to put that, we're going to put a pin in that one. The second thing is my, my thing. What? Physically. Oh, physically. Physically, I COVID, I got like the COVID 60. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> the thing that surprised me, and I'm going to be completely honest, and I don't know why it does surprise me, surprise me, but it does. There are a lot of really talented people out there, a lot of really talented scrum masters and coaches and trainers and people who just get it 
and it's a kind of small world. We all do kind of know each other. Like there probably should be like a six degrees of Chris Merman board game. We could do the next agile nerd con. Um, but I'm always, I'm always surprised. Like, man, there's some really, I'm, I'm surprised with such a small world. There are people I haven't come across that I now come across and I'm like, wow, they are really, really impressively talented. Um, one of the things you said though left made me think, and I'm going to turn the mirror back around is maybe some of our, 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 putting the grunt and disgruntled, right? Is some of our, some of our unhappiness, do we, as the people who are quote unquote tasked with delivering agile or a transformation, do we suffer from our own unrealistic expectations? I, I will speak for myself. Yes. I, I, I set the bar maybe too high. And, and as I was ranting, that's what popped into my head. So get out of my head. I was thinking, <laughs> Are we setting ourselves up to, to f- at least for that failure event in our mind? And why is that such a hard lesson for us to learn from a coaching perspective, or at least for me, to set those expectations a little bit differently for myself to say, you know, I, I have been part of a lot of transformations. And I would say that I have left an impact on each one, whether it's one person or 100 people there's been an impact. Whether that transformation was successful or not, that's not how I'm measuring it anymore, right? What impact have I left? And are people in a different place than when I started? So I think, yes, it's a great call out, Jay. I think in that sense, I do think we all have to give ourselves a bit of grace as also to understand that the the bar has to be obtainable, but also we want to stretch. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. As a coaching kind of mindset, we strive to gain so much knowledge. And I feel like we were so thirsty all the time that our expectation for that thirst kind of grows outside of our sphere of control. Sometimes it it just grows too quick. Yeah, I think you're right. Any other thoughts, Janae, Merman? Are we unrealistic? Do we set too high of a bar for ourselves? Are we too tough? Are we too tough of self-critics? I don't know. I I think, I mean, I will say for myself personally, I'm, I'm too tough of a self-critic. I think everybody here knows that, but in regards to like my influence as a part of a transformation or working with these teams, I think I've tried to be incredibly pragmatic. I, 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 that's very important to me. But I also kind of tie it back to like parenting and and other experiences I've had in my life where I'm like, you, yeah, you can want all these grand, great things and you can think that we're going to get there. But it's also really important to like honor the fact that like, even if we get somewhere, that's something that means something to some, to, to someone and, and being able to make those one, like, even just that one connection, I really appreciate left saying, I don't, I, I no longer like kind of grade myself on was this transformation successful like I don't it's fine whatever I like but I also have the benefit of knowing that going in I didn't like walk into it being like if this isn't successful I'm going to be really disappointed in myself I mean I will be disappointed on some level right and I feel like I've already kind of put that out in the the, knocking on wood um (laughs) but but I I also know that in my life personally and professionally, 
that the things that have made the most impact are the smaller things and the, and the, the singular connections and the people that have influenced me to, to feel and think differently about these things makes it, but it makes it that much more important to me. So, sorry. Maybe, maybe it's not that we're too hard on ourselves or we think, or we're not, we're not as successful as we should be. Maybe we just like, maybe it's more of like a, um, we need to take like an agile approach to like our success because we right. break things into smaller chunks and mm. we, and we deliver it like sooner, sooner, you know, smaller, sooner. I always say that, right? Like, why don't we look at what we're doing? Like, if I don't get, we think like, oh, this is, I'm not getting my way. Like this organization is not going in the right direction because I've wanted to do this, this, and this, and this, and they won't let me like, oh, woe is me, right? Like, there's a lot of times where conversation is like, oh, woe is us, this organization. Like we all hear it and it's almost daily. And it usually happens after a meeting in someone like calls you or message you like, oh, we're so fucked or whatever. Like, but if we just go, listen, all that happened is, is that I suggested that we stop doing story points and I did away with it and they brought it back. Okay. Like, whatever right so if we see like if we if we iterate our like our measures of success instead of making it this right like i don't have to make like there's no making anybody agile we if anybody loves agile uprising you come here to listen to us talk about how most of the at quote unquote agile crap that you read and and talk here talked spoken about is like bull crap it's just it's just terrible and so so what I'm trying to say is like, stop thinking that your, your job is to make your company agile. It's not going to happen. There are going to be peep individual people will get it more than another. I had a scrum master that it took me six months of drilling it into him that he didn't have to be type a to be a successful scrum master and to stop trying to be Mr. Like, you know, get all huffy and puffy. Like your teammates. I said, you're, you're, you're more laid back, be laid back. Don't let someone pressure you into be someone you're not like, Great. That's a win. Like that's something I can ship, but like, does that make us our company more agile? No, but I made someone realize they're not a piece of shit in their role. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. whatever. So I'm glad you mentioned the whole, this is bullshit because my, I am one, one half of a transformation <laughs> power twins and my peer who makes me look terrible. She is so amazingly talented. She made a remark the other day where she said, you know, all these stories and all these books and all these articles about all these agile transformations, which, you know, unicorns are shitting rainbows and all that sort of stuff. Where do these people work? Cause it's all kind of bullshit. And those weren't her exact words, but that's, that made me think when I write a book, I'm not going to give you the bad part about it because I need to sell the book. So I'm going to paint, I'm going to put some, Boz Lerman glasses on, and I'm going to turn Great Gatsby into this giant, insane Leonardo DiCaprio production. Don't you dare make fun of that movie. Yo, know, that movie is fucking great. And you know what other movie is great? And I will fight anyone to the death who disagrees. Elvis. Carrying on. Um, I love I loved Elvis. Oh, I loved fantastic. Elvis. Right at the end. Um, we've totally gone off our rocket here. Left is like, my God, I never should have skipped the edibles. <laughs> but my point being is, if I'm trying to sell a book, I'm going to paint a rosy picture. If I want an article to get engaged on LinkedIn, I'm going to paint a rosy picture. And I, I, I guess advice to anyone listening is take all these books and practices and 
reinventing organizations. Take all these things with a grain of salt because somebody's trying to sell you something. It's like the news. The news gets paid for by advertising. So you got to remember, there's somebody advertising. They're not going to. They're not going to spit in the eye of their advertiser. But anyway, I'm going to end this. But Go wait, on. real quick on that. T- so to yes and what you're saying, I would say that all that information is glorious. There's a wealth of it. How do you apply it? It's the same thing we teach our organizations, our people. Right? Here's all the knowledge. Now I need you to apply it, and we need the organizations. And I think you know if we tie this in a bow transformation, I feel like does not hold space for here's the learning. Now here's the organizational patience we need to create from a capacity perspective to apply that learning and allow those events to happen, right? Whether they're failures or not, and taking that information and using it going forward. So I appreciate all the knowledge that I gather from all these success stories or happy things, right? I, it, it keeps me engaged, but I also balance that with, with the difficulty it is to get to those places. Are we actually creating the ability for people to apply the knowledge that they're, they're gaining? So I think yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. I, or that's a great turn of phrase, organizational patience. We probably should unpack that in a, in the future episode. So I'm going to ask one last question because we're, we're quickly coming up on time for Listeners who may be debating going into this type of role, running a transformation, being put in charge of helping an organization deliver some kind of drastic organizational change that touches everything. What's the one piece of advice you would give? And I'm going to start with you, Merman. I love how we started this podcast with why would we take these jobs? Why did we take these jobs? (laughs) Hey, but if you're thinking about doing it, here's some advice. Right. So, and you can't say don't take the job. That's not advice. No, I, um, I tr- understand before you accept the job, what your sphere is like, where, like, where, where are you, where are you going to be put to be influential? Where, like, how much of the org do you have? What's your slice of it? What's your success? Like, just understand all that crap before you take the job, because let me, I, 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 I was joking when I said I took this job because I wanted a VP, right? Like I, is that title helpful for my resume? Sure. But like, don't take it because it's a title. Don't take it because like, don't take it because you were promised a bunch of things. And then you're like, but they told me I was going to have this, like, just know that your role is going to change as soon as you get in the door and they're, cause they're going to find new, something new they want to do. And they're going to use you in a different way. So just, just go because the company seems like it'd be fun to work with those people. And, um, and you'll figure out the rest from there. You'll hate your job 20 times a day and you'll love your job, you know. Just as many. Maybe. Let's, let's not go that far. Uh, <laughs> Left. Passing on a piece of advice. What would it be? No one helps an elephant fall down. They just get out of the way. So what I mean by that is, is you know, try and try and find the right in the conversations that are going on, be a translator, ask quest- good questions, powerful questions, come without judgment, and try and understand what keeps people up at night and try and help them or help organizations understand what's noise and what is actionable. Okay, okay, Janae. Be better than what I said. <laughs> yes. 
Um, yeah, I, I would say <clears throat> something kind of just to dovetail off the left, like being able to go in and decide like however you can, what's noise versus what's signal, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and have a good awareness of, of yourself, like what's important to you for that going in. You're working with people, change is hard. You're, you're going to want to support them and you might not get the big wins that you thought you were going to get, but the small wins are just as important. Okay. I love how she started with, you know, that dude that said the smart thing. I totally want a plus one that. (laughs) Ah, Merman, we needed Merman dump button. Uh, I guess I will, I guess I'm going to steal, you know, good artists create great, great artists steal. I'm going to steal from Dan Mezik where he talks about be prepared to be surprised. And I think the whole crux of this episode, if we had to dilute it down into a couple sentences, it would be, The arguments you think you're going to have are not the arguments you're going to have. You're going to have arguments you didn't plan on having. People will consistently surprise you. And if you give yourself a little grace, a little bit of patience, and go in with an open mind, you might be way more successful than you ever thought. And with that, I want to thank Andrew. I want to thank Merman. And I want to thank Janae for turning in and joining me on this conversation. I want to thank all of you for listeners for tuning in once again. We've got a Patreon. We've got a conversation on Discord. Yada, yada, yada. Outro music, blah, blah, blah. So if you like what you heard, hop in the conversation. Tune in next week. Until the next time, this is the Agile Uprising Podcast signing out.